0: connect with us at mvfcolorado.com. Now, stay tuned for this week's message. How are we doing today? Good? Happy New Year, uh, 2023. Uh, As I've been joking with everybody this morning, how's your year going so far? Good? Awesome. Off to a great start. Uh you're, you're laughing at that, but you guys know, if you've got any amount of time on you, that 10 hours can change a lot of stuff, right? And so, hey, we'll just take what we got. It's good. It's been a great year so far. We'll just keep building on that. Uh, first of all, I want to just share with you, in the next two weeks, you're going to be a little bit different. Uh, we're thrilled that you would come out on the very first day of 20, uh, 2023 and spend it with us. And so, um, the next two weeks, we're going to be doing this thing called New Year Fresh Start, we're going to look at it from two perspectives. Next week, I'm going to be sharing with you a little bit about uh, the community here, uh, Mountain View Fellowship, and what we're all about and what God has in store for us over next year. But today, I want to share with you kind of uh, my challenge for you as an individual, as a person, as a Christian, uh, maybe as a a mother father son daughter whatever whatever role you play i want to challenge you on that basic level as we get to this this new year fresh start and i want you to start it off correctly because i believe if you do it this way by the time we get to um, 2024 you're going to look back and and hopefully you'll go um, thank you pastor don thank you Uh, so today i just want to tell you um, i'm just going to share from a pastor's heart today i'm just going to be a pastor is that a deal uh, so, um, what I want you to do is go ahead and grab your Bibles, head over to Mark chapter 14, because this is where we're going to be uh, today for the most part of it, and then uh, we've got two other passages we'll follow this up with, but I want to take you to something and show you some uh, a story that I think is just absolutely fascinating, because it really, really does apply to where we're at today, this being the first few hours of 2023, and this idea of new year, fresh start. When I was a kid... Playing games, playing sports, whatever. Uh, I don't know if you guys did this or not, but we had this thing uh, in our family, you know, all the cousins, we'd get together and start playing. And if you screwed something up or messed it up or didn't go the way that you'd hoped, you always said, Do over. Is what you do, right? And you would reset everything, and you would just do it over. And it was a nice thing to do as a kid because you could just go, well, I screwed that up, messed that up. I don't, I don't want that anymore. I'm going to throw that off to the side and take another run at it. And uh, as I got older, I realized, you know, you don't get a lot of those as an adult, right? Um, uh, as an adult, it usually plays out on the golf course with what we call a mulligan, right? Like you hit that shot, you know, and it ends up in the sand or down in the drink somewhere. And uh, you can do mulligan, and you can drop the ball and shoot it again. But why? Because that one was horrible. I don't like that one. I don't want to do that. I don't want to go that route. I want to do that one over again. And uh, it's, it's interesting in life. There's not a lot of opportunities for us to do over or to call mulligan, is there? Like, you say something, it's out. You do something, it's done. And you have to live with the consequences, I think, though, that God does give us a mulligan. like he, gets, he gives us a do-over. And I think one of the greatest examples of this idea of a mulligan or a do-over in Scripture is the life of Peter. Uh, at the end of Jesus' life, he's sitting down at the Last Supper, and he breaks bread, which we're going to do this morning because I think it's an excellent way to start off our year just doing communion together. Uh, but he breaks bread. He passes the wine They take communion, and they leave, and they go out from from where they were at onto the Mount of Olives, which actually today looks like this. And you can see Jerusalem in the distance, and he's walking along the Mount of Olives. And they're actually, we know the story because he goes by the Mount of Olives, and they go down into the Garden of Gethsemane. But as they're walking, it says in Mark 14 that they're having a conversation Jesus knows that this is it. That's why it's called the Last Supper, right? Like, this is it. He's going to the cross. He knows what's about to happen. Uh, For many uh, years leading up to this, he's been talking in parables and things like that. Um, Let him who has ears hear, right? And so some people are getting it, some people are not. And finally, at this point, as they're walking along the road, and he knows that he's getting ready to go to the cross, he gets real serious. And he just says it like it is. And he starts telling his disciples in plain English what's about to happen. Like, they're going to come. They're going to take me. And, and you are going to leave me. He, he says, all of you are going to desert me, is what he says. And Peter's response in, in verse 29, it says this. Peter said to him, even if everyone else deserts you, I never will. I won't. I'll never... Do that. I'm not going to make that mistake. Uh, my life is not going to turn out that way. I never will. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter, this very night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny three times that you who even know me. No, Peter declared emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And all the others vowed the same. He makes this statement, I'm never doing that, it's not going to happen. They continue on down the hill, they head into the garden of Gethsemane, and if you know your, your scriptures, you know that they go in, Jesus goes a little bit further, he begins to pray, they fall asleep on him a few times, you know the story, right? But yet he's, he's there praying for us. Judas, at the Last Supper, was sent out to betray Jesus. He goes and makes his deal, and and he brings these temple guards into the garden, and they arrest Jesus. And Peter said, I'll never deny you. And I think even at this point, he's trying. Uh, And unfortunately, he was a fisherman and not a soldier, and he tries to cut some dude's head off and cuts his ear off instead. Jesus puts it back on. Amazing miracle in this moment. And and what ends up happening after that is they scatter. They do exactly what Jesus said they were going to do. They all run. They run. And so they arrest Jesus. And they take him to the high priest's home, Caiaphas' house. Uh, this is what it looks like today. And, and they've actually built a cathedral over the top of it. What's interesting is, is this courtyard that you're looking at is exactly where this scene takes place. To the left there, you'll see steps that are gated off because those are actually the first century steps where Jesus walked down and up. And yet, in this courtyard, in this home, they put him on trial in the dark of night. They bring in false accusations. They they beat him. And Peter, I think, is still trying. And he's trying to get close, and he's trying to hear what's going on. He's trying to find out what's happening to his rabbi. And, and we find Peter in this courtyard around a charcoal fire is the literal translation. And you can take that nugget and just stick it in your pocket for later because it, it's amazing to me the detail that we're given in Scripture, isn't it? And he's around this charcoal fire. And we find him in the courtyard in verse 66. It says, Meanwhile, Peter was in the courtyard below. One of the servant girls who worked for the high priest came by and noticed Peter warming himself at the fire. She looked at him closely and said, you were one of those with Jesus of Nazareth. But Peter denied it. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. And he went out into the entryway. Just then a rooster crowed. When the servant girl saw him standing there, she began telling telling the others, this man is definitely one of them. But Peter denied it again. A little later, some of the other bystanders confronted Peter and said, you must be one of them because you are a Galilean. Peter swore a curse on me if I'm lying. I don't know this man you're talking about. And immediately the rooster crowed a second time. Suddenly Jesus' words flashed through Peter's mind before the rooster crows twice. You will deny three times that you even know me. And he broke down and wept. He messed it up. He failed. He did the thing that he said he would never, never do. Uh, They would go on, as you know, to to crucify Jesus, to put him in the tomb, and three days later he would rise again. And after the death and resurrection of of our Lord Jesus Christ, he spends an amount of time on the earth appearing to different people. To say, hey, what I told you while I was walking with you is correct. Uh, it, it's come true. I told you this was going to happen, and this is, this is what I'm doing. And, and to give some direction to his disciples. And so he sticks around for a little bit after he rises from the, the dead so that he uh, might give this instruction before he ascends into heaven. And so there's this period of time after the time he rose to the time he ascends into heaven. And, and one of those times happens right on the um, Sea of Galilee. After the death and resurrection, Peter is denied Jesus. It says that he broke down and wept. He didn't know what else to do. So the next time we find Peter, we find him at home, in Beth- Bethsaida, which is on the north shore of the Sea of Galilee. And uh, he's gone back home. He's gone back to what he knows, which is fishing. He didn't know what else to do. He failed. So he might as well go back to what he, what he was doing before. And so here he is in a boat. They've been fishing all night long. They haven't caught anything. And Jesus appears to them in in another scene here in John chapter 21. This is the way it reads. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, fellas, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat, and you'll get some. So they did, and they couldn't haul in. The net, because there were so many fish in it. Now, stop just for a minute. If you remember back to the first time that Peter encounters Jesus, right? Back then, his name was Simon. And he meets him on the shore. He hasn't caught anything. And he says, throw your nets over the other side. They do. And the nets are almost breaking. It's got so much fish in it. This is just another replay of that to let them know who's standing on the shore Verse 7, then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, for he had stripped for work, jumped into the water, and headed to shore. The others stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net to the shore, for they were only about 100 yards from shore. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking on a what? Pull out that nugget, right? Isn't it amazing? God just kind of ties everything together for us. This is a fire that he denied Christ around. And now Jesus is waiting for him to join him around another one. Fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. Bring some of the fish you've just caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard, dragged the net to the shore. There were 153 large fish, and yet the net hadn't torn. Now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. And Jesus served them the bread and the fish. This was the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples since he had been raised from the dead. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, pause just for a minute. You remember Jesus, um, when he first met him, his name was Simon. He went to be his follower and he changed his name to Peter. He denied Christ. He failed And now Jesus is referring to him as Simon again. It's very interesting. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told them. Jesus repeated the question. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. Why would he ask him three times? One for every time that he denied him. He's restoring him. Can I just say it this way? Jesus came back for Peter. He failed. He said, I'll never do it. It's not going to happen. And yet it happened. And he went back to fishing. He went back to something that he knew because he thought he had blown it. He thought it was over. He thought he was done. And Jesus goes back for Peter. He came back for Peter and asked him three times, each time just so he could repent, each time so he could reestablish his commitment to Jesus Christ. Here we are on January 1st, 2023. And it's always interesting to me, the first of the year, always this, this moment in time Uh, We kind of set it aside for this idea of fresh start, right, of renewal, Uh, a time to commit or to recommit to something. Uh, New Year's is this perfect time not only to to look forward at what's to come, but also to look back and reevaluate where we've been and maybe some of the things that we messed up this last year or things that went wrong that we want to change for this coming year. But we look forward and we look forward with hope. This is going to be a better year. It's got to be a better year. We're going to do this differently, and I'm going to commit myself to this, and, and we're going to become better people, and we're going, to, we're going to follow Jesus closely, and our family's going to get closer together. I'm going to repair those relationships, and, and we have all of these things built into this idea of a new year fresh start. And yet so often when we make what we call New Year's resolutions, a lot of those have to do with everything but that, right? Right? And if you're like me, I was thinking back to, um, you know, when I was young, a new husband, new father, some of the New Year's resolutions and things that I made back then. And I'm saying this because as a pastor, I've just been looking around the church and I'm seeing so many new families coming into the church. And I'll be honest with you, man, I I pray for you. My heart breaks for you. I can't imagine um, marriage in this culture right now. I can't imagine raising kids with what's going on around us right now. I pray for you. And yet, even in that, I mean, when I was in your shoes, my New Year's resolution sounded more like, I'm going to work out more this year. I'm going to lose 10 pounds. That's what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm going to work hard at, at work, and I'm going to try to get that next, that next level. I want that next promotion, because with that comes more money, and that will fix our problems. And that's, and not to go into a whole lot of detail, but that's kind of just skimming the surface of some of my New year's, New year's resolutions, especially when I was your age. And can I just be honest with you, years later, I look back on that, and I'm ashamed of that. Did I accomplish some of those goals? Yeah, I accomplished a lot of them. Did they make any difference? Not really. Not in the long run. Because the 10 pounds I got off, I gained 12 the next year. Right? That's what happens. Stop working out, and then you've got to start all over again. That's not where our priorities should be. Um, when we talk about this new year coming up, here's, here's one that I want to challenge you with. We, we say it this way at Mountain View Fellowship all the time. We say, becoming more like Christ every day. That's what we say. Since we're at January 1, I can say it this way. Becoming more like Christ every year, right? I want, when we get to 2024, for you to look back and go, um, this has been a great year for us. We grew closer to Jesus Christ. We, we have a more solid foundation this year than we've ever had. Um, Peter had been following Jesus. He was one of his disciples. He swore he would never do that, and yet he did. He failed epically, like horribly failed. Has that, um, has that been your year? Maybe your, your spiritual journey this last year. Like you started off 2022. This is going to be a great year. I'm going to grow closer to Jesus. And now you're at a place where you're even questioning whether Jesus knows you or not. Maybe you've gone backwards. Uh, maybe it's uh, your marriage. You said our marriage is going to get better this year. And you found yourself in a place right now to where you're not even sure if it's going to make it through this next year. Or maybe it's a relationship that was broken that you thought was good last year. And my, how a year can change things, right? Maybe it's a relationship with your parents or your kids. And you find yourself in this place right now where you're hoping that 2023 is going to be better. God, please let this be better because I can't take another 2022. Um, you want the best year ever? Do you know the answer is right in front of you? Like we were told in this passage exactly how to have the best year ever. Jesus came back for Peter. He comes back for Peter and he tells him, he gives him some instruction, right? Peter, you were my disciple. You, you committed all these things and you failed and so I'm getting ready to leave and I want to make sure that you get this right when I leave, that you get it right and so here's what I want you to do. I want you to start working out. Is that what he said? I want you to lose a few pounds. That's going to make all the difference in the world, Peter. No. It's not about getting a better job or saving more money or going or taking more vacations. It's none of that. Do you know what he says? You remember what, what he said? He said, Feed my sheep. That's what he said. Feed my sheep. What does that even mean? I mean, that, that's kind of an odd statement, isn't it? Feed my sheep. What does Jesus mean by feed my sheep? Now, you and I know that as as believers, that we're told in Scripture one of our jobs, one of our our main purposes in life, is what we call the Great Commandment, right? And we summarize it all the time. We just say, "Love God and love others." That's what we're supposed to do: love God and love others. But then Jesus says, "Feed my sheep." Now we say it a little bit differently, because when Jesus was uh, a little bit later on getting ready to ascend into heaven. He actually goes into more detail on this. Just before he gets ready to ascend, uh, this is what he says in Matthew chapter 28. Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Um. This is what we call the great commission. So we have the great commandment, love God, love others. We have the great commission, which is this idea of go and make disciples and baptize and teach. This is what we're supposed to be doing. This is the purpose that God has given us for his life. And so if I'm just cutting to the chase, I would say it this way. Feed my sheep just literally means fulfill your mission. Get back at it. Make what's important a priority in your life. Don't get distracted. Don't give up. Don't go back to fishing. Get back at it. You know what to do. Just fulfill your mission. And Jesus came back for Peter just to say, look, I know you betrayed me. Do you love me? Yes. Do you love me? Yes. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Get back at it. Get back up. If 2022 knocked you down and you feel like you're, like, crawling into 2023, you know what Jesus would tell you? Feed machine. Get up. Get back at it. You have a purpose. Do you realize that God has given every one of us a purpose for our lives? Every one of us. He's got something for you. He not only knows who you are, but he's got a plan for your life. All you have to do is just be obedient. You just have to follow him in that. Feed My sheep is what he would say. You want to make some good, good goals for 2023? Fulfill your mission. What is it for you? Maybe uh, as a young mother, it's to raise your kids to know Jesus. Maybe as a, a young father, it's to, hey, I need to really, really focus on my wife because the best thing I can do for my kids is to love my wife, to work on that relationship. Maybe it's, hey, we messed up some relationships this last year, and we need to ask for God's intervention so that we can repair those. Jesus would say, feed my sheep. Now, here at Mountain View Fellowship, we talk about this all the time, this idea of love God, love others. And and this, this feed my sheep, this fulfill your mission, we just say, make disciples. That's that whole go and, and baptize and preach and teach. That's that's that whole thing is just make disciples. And so the way that we say it here, we've tried to summarize it to give everyone some, some context on what it looks like here at Mountain View Fellowship. We say it this way: pointing people to Jesus by fostering relationships up in and out. That's what we say. If you've never heard that before, let me just tell you what it is. It's this idea of fostering relationships up with God, in with other believers, and out with people who don't know Christ. Three different directions. And to be intentional about it because it doesn't happen by accident. And when we talk about up, what we mean is fostering an up relationship with God. Do you want a great resolution for 2023? Um, commit yourself to grow spiritually this year, to grow closer to Jesus. How do you do that? Well, guess what? You've taken the first step. You actually came to church service on January 1. How crazy are you? Right? Uh, yeah. Um and I'll just be honest with you, I, I, we had debated uh, months and months ago whether we were going to have services today or not, and I'm glad we did, because we ended up having to set up more and more chairs, which is a good problem to have. And, the, and just so you guys know, that's my fault, I'm sorry, because I went back and looked at all of our stats over the years, and uh, like 2017 was the last time that we fell on January 1st, and like 100, and I'm sorry, um, 2017, and we, we didn't have services on that Sunday. Because it was the first, and we're like, nobody's going to show up anyway. And I thought, well, why would we do that? And then I went clear back to like 2012, and when I looked at that, we actually had services on January 1st, 2012. I think that was the one just before 2017. But um, our numbers were so low, it was hilarious. And we were, I was like, well, that's why we didn't do it in 2017. So then coming into today, I'm like wondering, well, did we make a good decision or not? And I think we did. And uh, here, here's why, though. Yeah. That's not, that's not about us. It's about you. And I've said this several times. I think we're in a better place today as a church than we've ever been. And the reason for that is because you are owning your faith. You are saying, this is my job to foster an up relationship with Jesus Christ, and I'm going to. So I commend you. I, I want to congratulate you on starting off 2023 in a great way. You showed up. You came, you're worshiping, we're opening the word of God, we're learning, we're studying, we're trying to grow closer to Jesus Christ. So congratulations on that. Uh, I would encourage you for the rest of this year, just start making it part of your habit. And then come on Sunday mornings and come prepared, ready to worship, ready to be open for what God is going to, to speak to you every week. Um, more, more stuff you could do. Um, Bible studies, you can dive in. We've got Bible studies for teens and for men and for women. We've got all these different Bible studies that are going on. So you can foster an up relationship by getting into a regular Bible study. We have a go-read text thread that goes out every morning where you can actually get a a section, a passage of Scripture to read with everybody else. There's so many ways of fostering an up relationship. You want a great New Year's resolution, say that I'm going to foster an up relationship this year, and I'm going to get serious. It's going to take priority in my life. Uh, second one, um, fostering an in-relationship with other believers. You're sitting all around a bunch of brothers and sisters that you're going to spend eternity with, so you might as well learn how to get along with them now. All right? So uh, it's a great, great thing. And so I want to encourage you, join a life group. Uh, if you're like, well, they don't really have one in my neighborhood and the day that works for me, you know what? Grab a couple of the other people in the church that you know that live right around you and start one. Or maybe grab some other friends and just start a life group. We're going to get together once a week and we're going, to, we're going to have a meal together and we're going to open up the Word of God and we're going to study and we're going to grow. That's what we're going to do. We're going to do life together. Um, maybe jump in start serving. Plug in wherever your spiritual gifts uh, are, can be used within the body of Christ. Remember, we just talked about that last year, a long time ago. Last year, we talked about plugging in according to your spiritual gifts. I hope that you took that test and you, you know what they are so you can get plugged in. Um, And then, of course, we talk about an out relationship. Um, Out relationship is somebody that doesn't know Christ. And and if you don't have one, here's what I would challenge you to do. This might be a New Year's resolution for you. Start saying a prayer every day. God, would you break my heart for somebody that's far from you? Like, Like, put a spotlight on them. Make it obvious that this is the person I'm supposed to love. I'm supposed to be your hands and feet to in hopes of someday that I'd be able to share who you are, that I'd be able to point them to you. Um, we have this thing called one habit where we encourage you, whoever that our relationship is for you, and some of you already know, like God has already placed it on your heart, um, you put it in your phone every day at one o'clock to stop for one minute and pray for that one person. That's a one habit. Maybe that's what you start doing. And go, I'm gonna do this until the day that I see them baptized. That's what we're gonna do. Uh, Maybe it's this idea of, um, I'll tip you off, something that we're going to implement this year. Uh, I'm getting ahead of myself because I've got this for next week, but I'll just tip tip you off. I'm just excited that you're here today, so I'm going to share this with you. Here's one of the things that we're going to work on this next year. We want every one of you, as a disciple of Jesus Christ, I want every one of you, by the end of this year, to have your 90-second testimony down. Somebody asks you about Jesus. Somebody asks you, you know, what you're all about, what makes you tick or whatever. You'll be able to share with them in 90 seconds who Jesus is. And and not to the point of at the end of 90 seconds, they're receiving Christ. Now, that's our hope, but that might not be the case. The idea behind the 90-second testimony is that you're opening up spiritual conversations with somebody. You're piquing their interest to where they'll go, tell me more about that. So what happened again? And who is this Jesus? What does he mean to you? And so I'm hoping that over this next year, every one of us will learn how to give that 90-second testimony and not only have it down, but start looking for opportunities to be able to share it with the world around us. And so that's one of the big goals that we have um, set out for this next year. And again, I'm getting ahead of myself because that's next week. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to start living this out as part of your New Year's resolution. Because I promise you this, 10 pounds isn't going to change anything. But you start growing closer to Jesus, everything will change for you. Uh, now, I've said all of this, and all of this is action. It's behaviors, right? And, and I have kind of a, a funny little twist for you here, right here, because as I was praying through this and thinking about this, and my heart going, you know, just for you, and I went, yeah, that would be great, but we could mess that up too. If our heart isn't Right? See, I think we have to have the right foundation, so I think the first step for every one of us in 2023 is to make sure that we have the correct heart posture. You can do a great job in attending and worshiping and and going to life group and and reaching people, but here's the thing, it could be a job or it could be a religion without the right heart posture. So the first step that we need to make is to say that we're going to fall in love with Jesus. That's what we're going to do. We're just gonna make him a priority in our life. And all of that other stuff is gonna flow out of that heart posture. How do we fall in love with Jesus? Well, it's easy. It's, it's one of the reasons like, well, we take communion, right? To remember who he is. To remember who we are in light of him. It's funny because you can't draw close to Jesus without realizing who you are and how broken and messed up we are, right? And how lost we would be without him. And so we find ourselves in this place where we're going, okay, um, God, I can't thank you enough. There's nothing that I could ever do to make up for what you've done for me. God, without you, I'd be completely lost. Like, I I have nothing without you. And so, God, I commit my life to you. I want to follow you. I, I want you to work in and through me this year. I want to make you a priority, and I want you to change me from the inside out. God, my whole goal of my life is to glorify you. And in that, my prayer is that our hearts would be broken. That we would fall in love with Jesus Christ, we would commit ourselves to him, and then all that other stuff comes out of a heart of gratitude, it comes out of a heart of love. We're going to move into a time of communion. Which I think, uh, as I said before, is very appropriate for right now. Because um, this is probably the, it is, it's the best way to start off our year. Not probably, it is the best way. Just getting things straight. Prioritizing what's most important. In that same story in Mark chapter 14... Jesus sits down at the table with his disciples and he knows he's getting ready to go to the cross and and he does something very interesting. He takes a bread and he begins to break it and he passes it and it's symbolism. He says, look, this is is a representation of my body which is going to be broken for you to pay a price that you couldn't pay. I'm going to go and I'm going to take care of that. I'm, I'm going to give my body so that you could be forgiven of sin because without this, there's no way you could be made right with God. And he takes a a cup of wine and he begins to pass it and he says, look, this is symbolism of my blood that's gonna be spilled out. And my blood is going to form this new covenant with God where when you accept me as your Lord and Savior, in God's eyes, all he sees is my sacrifice. You are perfect when God looks at you because of my sacrifice you have forgiveness of sins and you have eternal life and then he says look when you, when you gather and you get together and you do this do this in remembrance of me and so we have communion set up in the back of the room We're just gonna give you some time to to get up and maybe you're here by yourself. You can take communion on your own if you'd like or maybe you're here with some friends, you wanna take it with them or as a family, take it as a family together, however you wanna do it. But we wanna give you some time just to move about the room, to go grab the elements, to take the the bread, take the juice and remember this Jesus who loves us, who came for us so that we can have a relationship with God. Now, I will say this, it's a little more crowded than I thought it was gonna be in here, good problem. Um, So if you have trouble um, moving, if you would rather stay seated, all you need to do is just raise your hand. We've got some guys that will grab a tray. They'll just walk around the room. They'll find you. Just hold your hand up and, and we'll get you some communion right where you're at. But we just want this to be a special time of starting our year off right with the right focus aimed at this idea of becoming more and more like Christ. And if you make that a priority this year, I promise you, I promise you, you'll be much happier than if you lost 10 pounds. I've learned that when I am focused on fulfilling my mission that God has given me, life becomes more rich, has more purpose and more meaning than anything else I could ever do in my life. I pray in 2023 that you discover that and you never let it go.